Welcome to the Hemp Empowerment Project. We are your hosts, Anthony and Nicole Lucido. Our goal is to share the amazing opportunities within the hemp industry and how it can benefit your life. Today, we have with us Nick Malmquist. He is a Northern Nevada native and a biochemist that has taken his pharmacological knowledge and expertise into the development of cannabis and hemp-derived CBD extraction processes. He is currently developing an extraction facility and extraction processes to develop high quality CBD products. Hey, Nick, I want to take you back to our high school days. We both grew up in Nevada and when we were in high school, having one seed could have gotten you a felony. And today now you are legally processing thousands of pounds of cannabis. What would your younger self think about this? Yeah, I mean, that would... That would, that would blow my younger self's mind. Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, not only, uh, you know, so the, on the cannabis side that I worked in, um, previously, like just when I would, when I would purchase for extractions, I would purchase, you know, like a hundred pounds at a time. And, and every now and then when that would come through, you know, tracked from seed to sale, but it would come in huge mylar bags that you'd have to cart in. I would, I sometimes did think of my high school self and say, wow, this is, uh, this is quite, quite unexpected. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, your, your background is in biochemistry and research and pharmacological science. So how has the transition been from being that research scientist into developing uh, cannabis extraction methods? So, um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I, you know, I have, yeah, I have a background in biochemistry, um, which includes, uh, in a way, um, some very specific knowledge and some very specific skills, but at the same time, it, it includes some very general knowledge and some very general, you know, knowledge, uh, abilities and, and, and so on. And so while I would say that I'm, I'm definitely not doing the, you know, the very same specific things that I did in the laboratory when I was um, in, you know, biomedical science. Um, I don't really deal with any Petri dishes and I'm not growing cells or anything like that. Um, I do use a, a lot of that general knowledge that I acquired um, becoming a biomedical scientist in terms of uh, knowing how to, you know, ask the right question and figure out how to answer it. Um, uh, you know, the math skills on trying to figure out, you know, are we, are we extracting, you know, 95% of the stuff or 5% of the stuff that's in there in the beginning. Um, and so it's, it's kind of interesting in that I'm not using the specific knowledge, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm relying on almost every aspect of the sort of general background that I acquired as a, as a, as a scientist. And what really, what really, inspired you to kind of like change, change careers in a sense, um, with your scientific background? Yeah, I, so I was, um, I, when I, uh, when the opportunity to get into cannabis arose, um, and this is back in, oh, I think it was late 2015, I was discussing it, and, and 2016, um, I had been living in France, and I had it had been the, the seventh or eighth year that my wife and I were there. And originally after graduate school, um, we looked uh, towards like some sort of adventure and an opportunity to, 
to expand our, our professional abilities. And um, I took a, a three-year postdoctoral fellowship to work at the Pasteur Institute. And um, that three year, and we decided, we figured we would be there for three or four years. And then um, after six or seven, we tried to figure out what, if we were gonna stay there forever or come back. And um, in the end, when the opportunity arose to come back, not only to the West Coast where um, sort of we feel like we belong, um, the opportunity to come to my, back to my hometown to get into um, the, the initial opportunity to, uh, was you know, product development for a cannabis company. Um, I just had a, a jump on it. Um, it was you know, relatively brand new. Colorado and Washington had, had legalized cannabis um, not too long before that. Um, and it was, uh, you know, hearkening back on my, my scientific life in biomedical sciences, you know, I always worked at the frontier of knowledge. And so this was sort of working at the frontier of a, of a new industry. And so that, um, that was the, that was the most interesting part. And that's the, what sparked me to, to, to take, uh, take the opportunity really. Awesome. What kind of new skill sets have you developed over the last couple of years working within the cannabis industry? So I've, um, it's, it's funny you ask. Yeah. So I was, I was saying previously, like I have a, a solid knowledge of sort of, you know, science and biology and chemistry and, and some, some you know, good math skills uh, to, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, but now um, I know quite a bit about electricity and, and, um, <laughs> uh, and how, how to run um, electrical panels and make sure that all of your equipment gets the right voltage and amperage and you don't burn a building down. Um, of course, we rely on, you know, professional, uh, professional electricians to do the work, but um, when they walk in and ask, okay, what do you need? You need to have an answer. Um, I've learned a considerable amount uh, about, um, you could say, the law in terms of regulations. Um, when I jumped into cannabis uh, back in 2016, uh, the company I was with, um, while based in Nevada, operated in Washington and Colorado. And so in the process of, of developing and launching products in two different regulatory jurisdictions, um, I had to know what the regulations were in each and make decisions on um, could we have a harmonious product in both jurisdictions or did some of the regulations in one preclude doing the same thing in the other and so on. Um, and sort of helping it build out these, these facilities and so on. Yeah, there's you know, the electricity, the you know, amateur plumbing and things like that. And so I've learned quite a bit about, um, oh, you know, what, what a general contractor I'd imagine would, would have a, a, a skill set in. Um, and then general business, uh, you know, as a scientist, you spend so little time thinking about business, you know, whatsoever outside of when you're writing grants and asking for as much money as, as you possibly can get um, and justifying all of that. On the business side, it's really, you know, basic supply and demand and, and costing out products and seeing how much you can get in the market and then determining if, uh, if a certain product only sells for a certain amount and it costs you twice as much to make it. Well, maybe that's not a good business decision to do. <laughs> um, so it's, it's really, that's the most exciting thing is it's blossomed in to um, just, just experiencing all these different different aspects of the world and picking up on a, a bunch of different skills, sort of one, either one at a time or sometimes all at once. Awesome. So it sounds like somebody with these other skills could jump into the business and learn some of the biochemistry 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or- yeah. I, I think so. Um, I mean, there's, there's, I think, um, I think there's a certain directionality in, you know, what, what direction you can go. Um, I, well, I, and I also, I don't know if every biomedical scientist is, is really, um, really ready to like jump into a, a 480 volt circuit, you know, panel, but, um, <laughs> on the other hand, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, you know, sort of engineers that, uh, are absolutely suited to either develop, um, new equipment or, um, work as a liaison with, you know, equi- you know, extraction equipment manufacturers or, um, automation, equipment manufacturers and, and liaise with the manufacturers and say a, a cannabis or a hemp extraction, um, or even a, a cultivation outfit that, um, you know, maybe, maybe the people on the, on the cannabis or hemp side don't have, um, the specific knowledge of what they need to do, but they, uh, but they could find someone to help them, um, acquire the equipment and set it up. Um, the same goes for um, anybody with uh, you know experience, some experience in agriculture or um, you know medium scale uh, hydroponics or something like that. You know um, there are a lot of people um, from the Netherlands who have been growing tomatoes for most of their career, and uh, you know you see these people at conferences and they're like, wait a minute, you know these people need greenhouses and automated uh, uh, you know fertilizing systems and watering systems and light systems and and wait a minute you know so it's cannabis or hemp you know so what like we you know the skill translates and so there's a lot of there's a lot of translatable skills um like i was saying about uh my my biomedical research days it's not really the specific uh test tube petri dish stuff that i i carry over it's it's knowing how to pose a question and answer it um knowing how to do the math and and that certainly exists for a number of of um you know, walks of life that you might not think directly translates. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So there's definitely some opportunity out there, whether engineer or chemist or an electrician, uh, product developer. I mean, gosh, the list. Or even on the, um, even on the regulatory side, um, Mm -hmm. I've had, um, I've had the wonderful opportunity to work with really good people on really good teams and, um, that includes uh, supply chain people. That includes um, botanists. That includes um, engineers, um, chefs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, people who are uh, you know on the regulatory side. Um, you know, we either have a law background or some sort of regulatory background. Um, even uh, so, there, there's you know there's a number of different. Um, there's a number of different niches that are fulfilled in, in both sort of cannabis and hemp and, you know, in in the larger and medium to large scale, um, operations, um, where, uh, you know, uh, an operation would need a different skill set. They need a regulatory person. They need a, a grower or a a chemist. They need an engineer, um, at least either to, um, either to get started or, or continue growing the business. Awesome. Yeah. So you talk about regulations. I know when we were talking, just last week, you had said, I mean, you know, hemp is legal here in the state of Nevada, but you had mentioned something about the city of Sparks. How did that particular meeting go? So that, um, that is, that is a funny little aspect of, um, both cannabis and hemp that, um, 
really blew my mind um, in the beginning when uh, you learn about contradictions in, in rules and regulations. Um, well, on the cannabis side, uh, it's federally illegal, but um, according to the, the federal side, as long as um, organizations are following the rules of their state, um, no one's coming in to raid them at the moment. Um, <laughs> so then there's a, there's a certain discord in, in federal versus state regulations there. On the hemp side, it was a, just one um, funny example where uh, the city had not adopted um, a new uh, definition of hemp and lumped it in with cannabis. And so according to the, you know, regardless of the, you know, the, the farm bill or, you know, Nevada, Nevada law that um, distinguishes hemp from marijuana, um, the city where we're operating did not distinguish it. And so on the, on the city books, we were working sort of illegally. And so they, what they did was they, um, they basically cleaned that up in a meeting um, a, uh, one day, one or two days before we got our um, business license. <laughs> um, and it appears that, that I'm not sure, but it appears that may have been holding up our business license um, because they wanted to clear that up before they gave a business license to a, <laughs> a one more hemp outfit in the city. So you run into these, you run into these, um, these like uh, competing um, rules and regulations a lot. And so you see it, if you might see it in the same place where like the city doesn't, um, doesn't agree with the, uh, you know, the U.S. farm bill and the state's laws. But um, back in my multi-jurisdictional cannabis days, um, if you wanted to operate in multiple states, you had to figure out if you could have the same dosing and the same number of servings and the same package of, you know, edibles or capsules or tincture or whatever it was. And um, sometimes you could, and it would, that was great. And you could get, you know, similar packaging for three or four different States. And sometimes there was one outlier and you had to decide uh, don't launch, launch that product there or um, just get a different bottle or size or whatever it was. Um, and so you'd see these discrepancies all the time. So it's pretty funny. And it's, um, it's a, it's just hoops to jump through and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of fun. If you longer. Well, it keeps you busy for sure. Right. <laughs> no, absolutely. And so, yeah. And so when you, I mean, we run into all of these challenges and, um, I mean, I show up, uh, I show up every day just to see what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> and, um, there have been times where, I, um, I anticipate there's, I anticipate a problem is going to arise. I just don't know what the problem is going to be. I don't know when it's going to show up and I don't know how it's going to manifest itself, but I know something's going to go wrong. And so as long as you, you have that attitude and you're agile enough to, to, to roll with the punches, um, like I said, you can say, you can stay saner longer. <laughs> 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 well and you definitely need that in this industry right now anyways <laughs> yes yeah hey uh nick can you since you you know you've done a lot of different extraction throughout your cannabis career and now getting into you know the cbd market can you just give us a general process of how extraction works um so we uh we at this um hemp extraction facility now um we decided to go with um, ethanol extraction and um, go with a very cold ethanol extraction. And so the reason why we went with ethanol is that you can extract much larger quantities at a time. Um, and I'll, um, 
I'll mention a couple other methods um, just to contrast it. But so we decided on ethanol extraction because of the throughput. And so we can go through, um, we can go through this facility uh, at, you know, 10,000 square feet. We can do about a thousand pounds in one day. Um, and that's a, that's in a couple shifts, um, which we haven't built out to yet, but we will soon. Um, and we keep the ethanol very cold. So we keep the, uh, the plant waxes and lipids and most of the, the chlorophyll and other colored um, uh, molecules and compounds in the plant matter um, in the plant matter and just try to extract the, uh, the cannabinoids. Um, and so we decided on ethanol for the throughput and made it cold so that we could have a pure product and avoid removing sort of waxes later down the road. Um, in the past in cannabis, I've uh, used um, both uh, CO2 extraction and hydrocarbon extraction. Um, and so CO2 extraction, carbon dioxide, you have it at a higher pressure. Um, and so it's a, it becomes a liquid or um, at even a higher pressure, a supercritical liquid. And so that's really good at getting out the cannabinoids, but it also pulls out fats and waxes. Um, and uh, then you have to go through another uh, post-processing step for CO2 extraction where you remove those fats and waxes um, and then you get your cannabinoids and some terpenes, um, along with some colored molecules and all that. And you can remove those with distillation and so on. Um, and then in hydrocarbon extraction, the, you know, the third, the third big one, um, you, uh, use, you know, liquid butane or propane or a mixture of the two. Um, and that tends to, that's cold. So that, uh, minimizes the amount of fats and waxes you extract, but you get the cannabinoids and, and that seems to be better at extracting terpenes as well. And those, those are those, um, aromatic and flavorful compounds you find in, in, in cannabis and hemp. Um, and so you have, you, you know, you have to decide, okay, do you, but on the, so I was saying, um, when, when I showed you the facility, um, we were, we're doing about it. We can do a thousand pounds using ethanol here. Um, in my past, uh, we use CO2 extraction. It was like 11 pounds a day. Oh. Um, and butane, you can probably do it a little bit quicker, but, and that was one batch of 11 pounds in CO2. Um, in butane, you could probably do a little less, but you could turn the machine over a few more times. And so you're still in that tens of pounds and we're at that, uh, you know, with butane or, or propane or CO2 and, and with ethanol, we're, you know, a hundred times more. Yeah, definitely sounds like a much better production facility. So Nick, you talk about the fat, the fats. Yeah. Uh, now, is there any use for those? Well, so Yes, absolutely. Um, those are, um, if you, if you saw them, um, in a, in a facility that was using either warm ethanol and was removing them later, or, uh, in a facility that was using CO2 extraction, you'd see the, the, the fats and waxes, uh, resulting from, from that post-processing. Um, and, and yeah, they're, they're absolutely suitable for making a, a lotion or some sort of topical or something like that. Um, a funny story is that when I joined up with one cannabis production facility, there were um, containers of this wax from previous, from the, you know, all of their wax removal steps over the last, you know, year or so. I said, Hey, what do you, you know, what's the plan with this? And, you know, unfortunately the plan was to do something with it someday. Going <laughs> <laughs> um, on the, on the, in the regulated cannabis market, uh, 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 and regulated cannabis would be a little bit tougher because you'd have to track all the, the THC in there. 
Um, you'd have a sort of varial product. So in, in terms of like product development and so on, put my product development hat on, it's a little more variable. And so you'd end up with a product that probably varied a bit. And so, you know, while I like, uh, you know, this year's wine over that year's wine and I, and I enjoy the variability, um, if you're going to launch a, uh, you know, a product across jurisdictions or you want a consistent product using those waxes is, um, it can be difficult because of the variability, but I, I, there's certainly a benefit from using that naturally derived um, fat and waxes. Yeah. Um, I, I don't actually know that many people who are using them though, but I still, I still agree. It would be a good idea to use someday. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. To use as most amount of the plant as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be sort of a more, more holistic, you know, topical product if you, if you did that, you know. Now, can you share with us what kind of products you are extracting CBD for and then what um, products you're working on for future? So at, at this facility now, we're currently, um, we're currently um, extracting and making, you know, basically three different um, bulk CBD products. Um, the first thing we produce um, is what, you know, we and others would call, you know, crude oil. And so that's, um, the extracted hemp extracted with ethanol, um, the ethanol removed, and then the, um, then the uh, CBDA, so the acid form that's present in the plant material, um, similar to THCA. We convert that to CBD, similar you would convert THCA to delta-9 THC. And so we convert that, remove um, the last traces of solvent, and then that's um, your you know, darker molasses-looking material that comes in uh, with a CBD content of somewhere between say 55 and 75% CBD. Um, So that's one product, one wholesale product that we produce. It's the first thing we produce. The second one would be taking some of that crude oil and um, distilling the cannabinoids away from any of the remaining um, uh, lighter molecules in the forms of terpenes and then the heavier molecules that are um, any sort of residual fats or waxes um, or uh, the molecules that give a crude oil its color. And so what we'd end up with is a, is a distillate that is more, um, you know, straw or golden in color, a little bit more, um, a little bit thicker, more viscous. Um, and then in the CBD um, concentration range of, say, you know, 75 to 95 percent. And then the third product we're producing um, for the sort of bulk market is taking that distillate, um, dissolving it up again, um, after all that hard work of removing the solvents, um, <laughs> getting it super cold and um, letting the CBD molecules crystallize um, and then fall out of that, that cold solution. And um, then collecting that crystallized CBD um, and then removing all the rest of the solvent. And then you end up with, you know, 99% CBD, which makes a pretty good, um, you know, product for uh, formulating all that. So all three of these products would be good for formulating, um, you know, the advantage of the crude oil. It's closer to the plant. It has more of those, you know, other plant molecules in, 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 in addition to the, the cannabinoids. Uh, the distillate has some of that color and, and aroma and, and flavor out of it. So you could formulate something like a topical or an edible that wouldn't um, have as much of that sort of hemp or cannabis flavor or color. And then isolate, which is something you could use, um, you know, gram for gram if you're, if you're making specifically dosed uh, items. 
and it's easier to, you know, weigh out a power powder than it is to weigh out something that's more like molasses or honey. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff gets super thick. Mm-hmm. So, um, I know one of the things that's important to you is creating a process that's efficient and cost effective. Is that something that you have, um, fully created now, or you're still in the process and have found different things that you can change to make better? No, I'm still, still, I'm still in the process of optimizing, um, our, our processes here. Um, we've, uh, you know, as we, as we take in hemp and we grind it and then we get it cold and then we extract it and then we remove the ethanol and then we decarboxylate it with heat and then we distill it and then we make the isolate. Um, I've, you know, I've focused a bit and we, we, we've developed that in that order because we needed ground material in order to extract in order to remove the ethanol. And so, um, I'm currently at the distillation stage and setting up the equipment we have and running it. Um, and then, um, dialing in the parameters to, you know, figure out if it's more efficient to run it, you know, slower and get, you know, a higher yield, a higher potency product at a lower yield or, you know, run it faster and get a lower potency, a higher yield and all that stuff. And so, um, I, all that to say, I'm still dialing in, um, all of the parameters for, for the, the second half of the process at this point. Um, and you know, at some point you can't let, um, perfect get in the way of good. Mm -hmm. Um, and so at some point you have to decide, okay, this is, this is good enough. Um, we're going to move on, um, get the rest of the processes dialed in and then come back and see if we can, you know, improve, you know, upstream. And that's where we are now. Yeah. I, I definitely love that when I, when I saw, I don't let perfect get in the way of good. Uh, so Nick, your facility is pretty neat. I mean, you know, we walk through it and I just admire everything that you're, that you're doing there. If somebody's wanting to get into the, you know, into the, this processing that you're doing kind of a ballpark, what kind of investment somebody looking at? Um, well, so you would need a ballpark, you would need a building. Um, we're on the sort of smaller side at 10,000 square feet. There's certainly smaller places. Um, you know, there are larger places that are maybe 30 or 40,000 square feet. And so there'd be, um, you know, some sort of building investment, whether one wanted to, to try to purchase a building or um, release it. And then, um, so there'd be the cost of that, whichever way you sliced it. Um, we have, you know, our our two distillation pieces of distillation equipment um, total about a quarter million dollars. Um, you know, we have a chiller that was, you know, probably, you know, between 50 and 70,000 um, and, and on and on, you know, if you, if you ask the investors, um, I would say that we're in this building, um, you know, between a, a million, you know, north of a million for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we did this on, um, you know, this building was designed, uh, all the equipment was designed in a sort of a, partly we, we got really good equipment from very good vendors. And then we pieced, um, some of the rest of the stuff together, um, on our own. And so we, um, we, we used a certain budget. Um, we, we, we saved some money by doing a lot of stuff on our own, but we spent good money on good equipment. Um, and I would say if one was to get into this, 
you know, find a good location, um, get good equipment and then, and roll up, then roll up your sleeves and get your, you know, your hands dirty, piecing and everything together yourself. Awesome. Now that you've been through this, you built it and, uh, developed the process. Are you doing any kind of consulting for others that are wanting to get into this uh, particular part of the industry? Yeah. So I, yeah, I am available. Um, I, I've got my, uh, I've got my hands a little bit full with this, um, at the moment, but I still, I still do in fact, uh, consult for, uh, uh, a cannabis company, um, right now. And, um, I'm, I've got some, got some free time a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always willing to entertain, um, you know, other folks who, uh, you know, need, need to get going. That's awesome. Nice. Um, have you had any challenges obtaining hemp for processing? We, so we have not. Um, and we have been very fortunate. Our, um, our first farms that we've dealt with in the beginning, we were looking at source, you know, there's a, there's somebody in our Oregon who has a million pounds of, of hemp and they, you know, they sell it really cheap and we can get it from there. Um, and so on and so on. And we hear all these stories. We heard these stories in the very beginning. Um, what has happened in reality um, is through uh, just local contacts and so on. Um, at the moment, we've worked with um, four farms within 100 miles of here, um, all in Nevada. And so, um, you know, while, while there's quite a bit of hemp material out there to extract and you can go to Kentucky or you can go to Oregon or, you know, and so on and pick up quite a lot. Um, we've fallen into this niche of, um, you know, serving the, the, the local, local farmers, frankly. Um, and we're currently booked up, um, through the middle of January with just a couple of farms locally. Um, and absolutely looking forward to, uh, working with other farms and, you know, basically the neighborhood. Um, a lot, there's, there's a lot of advantages to just, uh, driving up the street and shaking hands and, and talking to each other. Um, and there's some, certainly some value to that. Absolutely. I mean, definitely connecting with those farmers. Are you working on connecting with uh, any other farmers or how did you connect with these ones locally? Um, they were mainly through, um, through personal and professional connections um, uh, between either me or uh, friends and colleagues of mine or friends and colleagues of, of um, the other folks involved in the, in the business here. Um, and so it, every, everybody knew somebody directly, um, and, uh, just either called around or, or it came up in conversation and, and it's just fallen together, you know, quite well. Well, that's awesome. Cause that's, that's how we met was just through, you know, our local connections. Exactly. So very similar to how, you know, we had, a, we have a mutual connection and, mm-hmm. um, that's how, you know, that's how I met, um, you know, Tom to begin with was a, was a mutual, you know, acquaintance. And, um, that's how we've, we've run into other, all the other folks that we, uh, we've been, had the pleasure to work with so far. I mean, we expect to continue working like that. Um, uh, we're, I'm, I'm certainly personally and professionally happy to, to fulfill this sort of local niche at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and keep that going. That's fantastic. I want to change direction here just for a little bit. You know, I know that you were, um, you've seen a lot of different healing benefits from the CBD and the different, you know, anecdotal evidence out there. I mean, I know people go, oh, science, science, but when you really see different people change, 
um, for the better. What, what have you seen that has really kind of inspired you more about cannabis? Well, so you, you touch on a really, you touch on a, a, a close personal point. Um, it's funny when, um, people who know my background know that I, uh, moved, uh, away from sort of, um, you know, global infectious disease, which is what I worked on for years, um, and moved into cannabis and hemp. Um, people, you know, my old, uh, science friends say, Oh, well, what, what aspect of that are you studying or something? It's like, Oh no, 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 I'm not studying it. And in fact, it's incredibly difficult to study, which is a, a shame. Um, and hopefully that'll change it at some point. There's, there's so little biomedical research in, in cannabis and cannabinoids and, 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 you know, hemp derived cannabinoids as well. Um, and so, you know, it's unfortunate as a scientist for me not to be able to say like, Oh, well, there's a study that shows this and there's a study that shows this on the other hand, since I've been in the industry, um, I hear all of these stories and I see all these stories where, um, you know, I had an instructor, uh, an extractor of mine ask if he could, um, get some, some CBD, uh, lozenges from me because his, uh, you know, grandfather is sort of stuck in a chair with, you know, excruciating pain. And, uh, and I said, absolutely. It's worth a try for sure. And he comes back a week later and says, you know, my, my grandpa is out golfing with his friends now. <laughs> he hasn't left the house, you know, he hadn't left the house for months and all of a sudden he can, you know, go out and, and, and do these things he never could do or people who have, um, you know, cleared up skin conditions, um, you know, not to mention, you know, the original, the original outfit that I started with, um, was, uh, most interested in, uh, CBD for, uh, you know, uh, treating seizures and so on. And that sort of, you know, it's a shame that there's not as much um, scientific or, you know, classic, uh, you know, double blind studies or anything like that. But there's so much anecdotal evidence that that these cannabinoids are, are, are helpful for, you know, so many different aspects of, of, of human health. Um, and so that's, that's also motivating. Um, and, uh, and, and I like to see more. And I like to be part of the solution. Awesome. So when we talk about cannabinoids, now they're found in other plants as well, aren't they? Um, I mean, the, the classic cannabinoids are primarily in, in, in cannabis. I mean, there are, you know, it is a funny trick of mother nature that um, you have the endocannabinoid system where you're, you know, the, the human body is, is producing very similar molecules and there's receptors for those very similar molecules. And so that's the, that's the sort of nexus where um, these plant, you know, these molecules from plants have an effect on, on human physiology is, is that uh, connection between plant cannabinoids and, and uh, the human endocannabinoid system. Um, and if I had 24 more hours a day, I would, you know, study that, you know, entirely. <laughs> you, you haven't created that cloning machine yet then? No, I, no I'm afraid not. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now, have you noticed, you know, there are all these different strains of cannabis plants and, and say you go to extract the cannabinoids from the same plants that are grown on different farms. Have you done any research or seen any difference between, you know, the, this plant growing on this farm and this plant growing on this farm over here? Um, so there's a lot to say for, 
um, the sort of terroir of where, where plants are grown, whether they're grown sort of hydroponically or in, in soil or outdoors. There's certainly a big difference between indoor and outdoor grown. Um, there's a lot of people who ask, and I'm not a, I'm not a, um, a botanist or I don't, I'm not a professional on the grow side, but there's a lot of folks that'll ask, you know, what, what sort of nutrients and so on to use to get whatever aspect they want, you know, whether it's more THC or less or more CV and less THC or, or bigger or greener or whatever it is. Um, but, uh, it, it appears that, um, the folks that know, know that, um, it's the, the genetics of the plant that really drive it. And so if you kind of have a stinker plant that isn't doing what you want, you know, no, no fertilizer is going to do it. Um, I can tell you that across strains for what it's worth. Um, when I was in my you know, cannabis extraction days, uh, there were people who knew what um, in the in the in the in the uh, cultivation and production facility. There were people who knew what was getting harvested that day by the smell in the building, and they knew they would know what strain was getting um, what strain was getting cut down or what uh, oil um, was being made from a certain strain. It's like, oh, this is definitely you know this strain or that. Well, you know, just by just by the aroma. Um, and then uh, there were definitely people who, you know, on the, on the sativa indica hybrid uh, axis, um, there are definitely people who feel way different um, on different strains of those, those different stripes. Um, and so there, there are certainly, it, it's a very, um, it's a very diverse, uh, you know, species of plant. Um, and I think there's a lot of interesting aspects of that diversity um, that again, you know, due to the lack of of the ability to study this thing, um, you, we don't really know, um, you know, down to the scientific level what it is, but there sure is a lot of anecdotal evidence that one strain is very different from another. Very interesting. And do we, do we know what is causing the different smells in the plants? Well, it's those, it's, you know, those terpene molecules and, and other sort of aromatic molecules, but the main drivers for that are those, those, those terpenes in the, um, cannabinoids. And so you have, you know, you have strains that have a little bit more lemonine and they smell a little, a little bit more lemony. You've got strains that have a little bit more, you know, humulene and they smell, smell a little bit more like hops and, and pinene and, and, and so on and so on. And so, um, you know, that's the major driver of those aromas, but then that's the, the, you know, as far as we understand the, the major driver of this entourage effect where, um, you know, if you wanted to ingest pure THC, um, you definitely have a, you'd have an effect. Um, but if you add certain, a blend of terpenes or a different blend of terpenes, that'll sort of steer that effect uh, one way or another. And so that, that, that aspect of the, the biology and meeting with the physiology is pretty fascinating as well, is how those terpenes uh, direct that entourage effect. And who knows what other molecules that are in the plant. So when you talk about that entourage effect, what's that, what do you mean by that? Well, that's where, um, that's, you know, understood um at this point of the you know what what would make an indica more of a you know sort slow you down set you down on the couch effect versus a sativa that gets you uh you know finally dusting all the you know all the, all the high parts in the in the house uh, and uh, washing the car and then mowing the lawn and then uh organizing the garage and then you know that's uh so that, that, that's understood at this point to be the major driver in those different effects that you get from, you know, smoking or eating the, you know, ingesting the, the same plant, just different strains that have these different, um, you know, secondary molecules. Right. Awesome. 
Well, as uh, we close out here, I've got one more question for you, Nick, and that's if money was not any issue at all, what kind of cannabis business would you spearhead? You know, I would, I would like, if money was no object, I would like to tackle some of these. I would like to build out and set up and staff, importantly staff, um, a nice facility that could produce, um, you know, ext- through extraction or, or um, blending of, of, of different, you know, extracted molecules and, and so on from the plant and make sort of, you know, what a, what a person would call standards to actually test some of these things um, more rigorously. Um, you know, as I speak it, it sounds, you know, both incredibly boring and incredibly fun at the same time. I want to bring science to, you know, the, the, the effects of THC and CBD, like, Oh, that's, that's great. Um, (laughs) But that, that would be, that would be really interesting because I find, um, I find this plant really fascinating. I find it um, wildly understudied. Um, And one of the problems is that there aren't, uh, you know, there, there aren't, you know, 10 different shades of indica or 10 different shades of sativa or, you know, known, known quantities of, of any one, you know, blend that one could, you know, you know, study, you know, in, in people and, and, and try to get down to, you know, what, what drives what that would be, that'd be pretty interesting. And I would, I would love to do it from, you know, poured, poured foundation to, uh, you know, scientific publication. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Awesome. Now, Nick, where can people find you if they want to, they want to contact you? Um, you can absolutely contact me. Um, the, the hemp extraction facility is called Western Tolling. Um, and you can get a hold of me directly at Nick at westerntolling.com. Awesome. Great. Well, we really appreciate you, Nick, spending time with us. You shared with us about the endocannabinoid system, chemistry, building your, your processing plant. It's really awesome. And we appreciate our listeners for tuning in to the Hemp Empowerment Project where our goal is to share the amazing opportunities within the hemp industry and how it can change your life. Please subscribe to this podcast so you're always in the know.